Hello and welcome to the Odds Checker Betting Show. I'm your host, George Ellick, and I'm delighted to be joined by Andy Holding and Ed Quigley as we look ahead to the national hunt season. This is the very popular, famous Horses to Follow podcast. And, and just before uh, Andy and Ed, uh, we, we hit record here. We went through last year's picks. I'm not going to go through them all. There's the curse how whenever Aaron Ramsey scores, a celebrity seems to die. Now, I'm not saying it was that bad, but going through the list from last season, Andy, um, we seem to curse quite a few horses in terms of their fitness. It wasn't form that let us down. It was it was injury. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was a, similar to the Liverpool midfield, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> probably a better analogy. Um, yeah, it, it, it was it was a bit of a tale of wow. My my respect really. I look at back at the five that I put up, and um, I don't think they lasted until Christmas. Any of them. So I think the five this that I picked this year. That's I've, I've only got to do better than that, and, and it's uh, classed as a success. I mean, there was one very unlucky one where Buzz, I think, was was favourite for the stairs when when the injury yeah. occurred, and that, I know that how much that how much that hurt. Yeah, I mean, that that was a real um, body blow, Buzz wasn't skills. it? It was, yeah. I, I, and and given the way that the stairs hurdle category panned out throughout the season, it, it was always coming back to haunt me every time I was looking at those three mile races. Um, but yeah, that you know, it, it does happen, and hopefully he might get back on track. Uh, this season yeah absolutely yeah and Ed I was saying as well I associate you with with colder months with the winter because when I see your face it generally means that the jumps are back <laughs> I know you're you're just around the corner from uh, from Cheltenham I know how excited you get uh, and you must be thrilled that we're back to the, the good stuff yeah absolutely I'm um, really looking forward to it George you should say we, we just had that Chepstow meeting um, less than a fortnight away for Chapman's October meeting uh, three weeks to Charlie Hall um, 214 days eight minutes uh, 62 seconds to the festival no I'm, I'm, I'm joking but yeah it's all, um, it's, it's, it's all uh, on the way uh, as you say it's uh, that nice crossover isn't it it's a really exciting time of year when you've got the back end of the flat season and then we we kick on into into the jumpers, but as you say, uh, all dreams are alive at this stage, aren't they? Um, you know, there's all loads of every, every train I've been through around a few yards recently, and every train has got the the you know the new horse in the yard that's going to win the supreme by half the track. And as you say, it's, it's an exciting time to dream. And yeah, as always, some uh, fascinating encounters on the horizon and some uh, intriguing horses to uh, to do battle with this year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we've got to get into the the horses. You picked five each, um, so we're going to have to get through 10 uh, on this show in the next half an hour or so. And Andy, I'll, I'll start with you and anyone who, who watched or listened to this show um, last season uh, will remember there was a protagonist that wasn't myself or, or yourself um, for most for the most part. It was Constitution Hill, who was put up on the, on the show by Barry Garrity uh, before he'd even run. And then the rest, as they say, is history. Uh, one of the most exhilarating uh, supreme winners uh, we've seen in recent history. Six to four um, favourites. Uh, I think I'm right in saying, yeah, favourite best price on the odds check grids uh, uh, for the champion. Sorry, for the yeah, for the champion hurdle at this stage and your first selection. The first horse we're going to talk about in, in this national hunt season as well. Well, I'm, I'm putting this up on behalf of Barry, really, to be honest. Um, <laughs> if he was here, I can imagine he'd be number one on his list. And we've got to thank the great man for pointing us in the direction of this uh, fella before he even ran. I mean, he put him up at 40 to 1, didn't he, before um, he set foot on the racetrack. And he was brilliant first time out at Sandown. And he just continued his merry way through the season. But his performance, as you said, in the Supreme Novices Hurdle was not only visually spectacular, but on the clock as well. That backed that up. We only got two horses throughout the entire season. Um, 
uh, novice-wise, uh, both hurdles and, and over fences, running beyond an 80-time figure. Put into some context, the last time, the last two runnings of the Gold Cup, in which a Plutard took part in it, he's clocked an 82 and an 81 on our numbers in winning the Blue Ribbon at Cheltenham. Constitution Hill uh, did an 81 in the Supreme Novices, and comparing uh, Honeysuckle's time figure of uh, 71, it, it, it's it's it was looking it, it basically quantifies to roughly around about a 20 length difference between one and the other, uh, and you can actually view it as well if you go back and do like the the uh, the sectional times or put the two races side by side. You can see how the Supreme Novices hurdle develops um, alongside the Champion hurdle, just to put into some context what Nicky Henderson's horse. Uh, did to his horses in, in, in the novice race and what a, what he probably would have done to Honeysuckle had he been in a champion hurdle. I think that's the key, isn't it, going forward to this season. Honeysuckle, I think, has got to improve to keep tabs with the uh, up-and-coming um, upstart. Um, and there's not anything to suggest that Constitution won't uh, improve. In fact, I think he'll probably get better with more experience, more time. The great thing about him as well, he settles in his races. He's not like an overly exuberant type. He just does everything in hand. Um, and I think he's the right favourite for the champion of this season. It's hard to see him getting beat by anything over this side of the RFC. There's just not any strength in depth um, to take him on. Um, and I imagine he'll get there, like I say, unbeaten. And then it'll be the big clash between him and Honeysuckle. God forbid if she gets there on, on um, uh, with all guns blazing. I'd imagine Nicky will start off with the usual route. You know, we go fighting fifth, Christmas hurdle. Um, they use that Sandown race as a, you know, three, two or three runner races as a, as, a, as a final prep, like he used to do with Bouvedere, et cetera, and all them lot. Um, and then he'll get him there in one piece after two or three runs. So you won't see him very often, but when we do see him, um, hopefully we'll see um, next year's champion. Ed, Ed, just bringing you in here because, you know, with all of these horses, you know, we're not going to have opinions on all of them because some of them uh, aren't quite at the profile of, of Constitution Hill. But but where would you stand at the moment in the in the Constitution Hill honeysuckle um, top end of the market for the for the champion hurdle? It's obviously very early days, but just looking at the prices as they are, knowing what we know. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, with Honeysuckle is, and it does touch upon, I mean, look, she's an unbelievable mare, one of the best mares we've ever seen on a race course. But she's probably going to have to go up a notch again or at least maintain her form at the very least. <coughs> going forward another six months and at some point you just feel her powers have got to wane whereas that's the total opposite of what's needed to be done now she's got a whole host of younger legs coming through against her and she's probably gonna have to as i said at least run to the level she's been doing but you know as Andy says probably kick on and go and go forward and that would just be my concern with her i mean we might as well kick off my first horse to follow mm. which is further down my list because it ties in nicely yeah if you read Twitter, the champion hurdles are two runner race in March. Um, it's Honeysuckle versus Constitution Hill. The rest don't turn up. Uh, Constitution Hill wins, which probably will be the case. And we go from there. I just wonder if Stateman is the totally forgotten horse in here, in the sense that, I'm saying forgotten, I mean, he's full favourite to win the champion hurdle. But outside the big two, all the talk is Vauban. Four-year-olds, by and large, don't have a stunning record in the champion hurdle. And I just think Stateman is a, an improving five-year-old who's just taken off if you actually look at his figures and everything i mean he's won his last three he's approved 20 pounds in the space of what six weeks or so i mean he had to be 
well handicapped in the county hurdle to be kind of getting into this conversation. And he, he fairly obliged, didn't he? He tanked mm. out they pushed the button, went up the hill and got the job done. And then they stepped him up to grade one level at Punchestown. They didn't really see which way he went. I mean, he went eight lengths clear and you look at the horses in behind that day. I mean, three stripe life is a, a grade one winner. He had him absolutely stuffed. I don't think State Man is as far, at least behind Honeysuckle or Constitution Hill, as the market would lead you to believe. But that way, I'm, my bottom line is I'd much rather be back in State Man at 10 to 1 uh, than definitely Honeysuckle at 4s or just for my modus operandi. I couldn't back any horse anti post at 6 to 4 in, the, in terms of Constitution Hill. I, I wouldn't be shocked if, if State Man turned out the best of a the Mullins pair. And I wouldn't be shocked if he was the you know, the one protagonist from the Irish this season. He's he's young, he's progressive, he's won his last three. He comes on the back of an emphatic win in a grade one. And he's a double-figure price and he's trained by genius. So, all in all, I, I, I do think State Man is the slightly incognito horse. And he's, he's the lurker in the champion hurdle market, in my view. Is, is there any concerns from your point of view uh, in terms of the possibility of going chasing? You know, 14-1 to 1 for the Turner, 16-1 to 1 for Yarkle? Well, it's always the case. Um, the, the Willie Mullins bingo, as I say, the old, um, <clears throat> that old uh, kind of fable says, you know, Willie Mullins had one anti-post bet in the life when he, uh, in his life when he, he backed five for three at the 2008 festival to win the Albert Bartlett. Well, it went and won the Ballymore. So um, that kind of <laughs> that, that kind of tells you all need to know. Yeah, there is that. But uh, look, as, as much you can kind of take the the vibes, the quotes, some connections uh, on face value, it very much sounds like he's going to be staying over hurdles. Uh, him and Vauban, it sounds like Sir Gerhard's probably going to go chasing and uh, given how young he is, you know, he's five, he's on an upward curve, he's just won a novice hurdle in a grade one I'd be shocked if they did go chasing with him, look, if they do, they do uh, I'm sure no doubt he'll be he'll be a fascinating uh, contender in, in that sphere, but uh, for me, yeah, personally I, I said I, I wouldn't be shocked if uh, I'd like to see him clash with Honeysuckle early doors at some point, I think he could... Um, he could definitely give us something to think about. And by March, again, as an improving five-year-old, I, I wouldn't be shocked if, as I say, he was at least in, in the frame coming into the big one. Yeah, unbelievably impressive, uh, of course, in the county hurdle of 141, now rated 159, the, the classic case where when they all say, apparently state man's 20 pounds well in. Well, uh, yes, indeed. And it hasn't taken long to, to show that as well. Um, and in, in that champion hurdle market, just before we move on as well, just I wanted to ask you on, on Constitution Hill. Um some reports, I think it was an owner's day, wasn't it, at Nicky's, that he's changed a lot physically um, over the, the the last, you know, eight months, nine months or so. Well, no, sorry, a lot shorter time, the last six months, uh, to a, a much kind of bigger, stronger beast. Uh, any concerns for you that, you know, that, that there could be a physical development that might hamper or do you think that could be just a case of, you know, uh, a bit of condition over the summer, which will, will soon come off as, as Nicky turns the screw? I'd say the latter part of your statement's correct there. Um, you know, you don't want him falling into a hot rack, do you? You know, at the end of the day, you, you want him to put on a big condition and yeah. stress him up a bit. I mean, he, he's only a six-year-old, isn't he, for, for next season. So, um, you know, he's going to develop, isn't he? And he's, he's just with the right man. When you're looking at a, a possible champion hurdle horse, there's only a few trainers who you'd probably want your horse with, given their career record. Um, and Nicky Henson's just been a, a genius of producing them um, just at the right time of the day. It doesn't sit well with everyone, you know, that we only get to see a couple, some of his horses probably two or three times a year, but that's the way Nicky likes to operate, doesn't it? Um, so, yeah, look, it's not a great prize. Like I say, it's no prizes for originality. I'm, I'm putting him up there because I just believe in the horse so much and 
Um, I, I think he could be the absolute standout superstar of the season, certainly over this side of the RSG, all the way through from when he was to next part. Well, you've, you've brought us on nicely there to your second pick. You say the absolute superstar of the season, this side of the Irish Sea. What about the absolute superstar of the season, possibly the other side of the Irish Sea? Uh, for those wondering, uh, Andy, if you're just going to bring out all the, just going to play all the hits, there are some that, that aren't quite such headline picks. But your second pick is uh, Galopin de Champ, uh, 7-2 favourite for the Gold Cup. Of course, fell famously in the Turners when, when the race was wrapped up, but followed that with an impressive 18-length victory at Ferry House uh, a month later. And very, very hard to, to pick any holes here. Do you expect uh, Galopin to, to go to Cheltenham in March uh, still with that, that Gold, Gold Cup favourites tag? I'd like to think so, yeah. Um, I've learned my lessons from last year, George, and not putting too many... <laughs> Um, left field horses in because, um, like I said, I didn't really get for that far down the line with some of them. So I am playing to stride back with the first two entries, and then it gets a little bit more complicated after that. A few more dark ones for the for the listeners to have a mm. look at. Uh, but Galapando Shop, yeah, look, you know, he's on a similar trajectory to Ch- um, Constitution Hill was um, over fences last year as a novice. Um, he should have won at Cheltenham. I mean, he was massively unlucky, wasn't he? Just a yeah. An overbold jump at the last. He actually jumped it fine, but he just couldn't get his undercarriage down quick enough. And when you look back at that, at the, at the time you thought it was, it was a poor turn, as you know, I was only four in the race. But you know, he, he ran Bob Ollinger completely stupid, and I don't think Bob Ollinger fully recovered from that. Um, you know, it was a lot been in the in the ring with um, with uh, Klitschko, wasn't it? He, he completely, <laughs> completely and utterly punch-drunked him. Um, and then you look at the other two. Bulsaton was beaten 40 lengths. He went on to win a carry nationally the other day. And El Barra was a tailed off last, and he was third to Hoyek in the in the Galway plate. So, you know, he was getting very, very good um, horses, um, you know, absolutely tailed off. So, we, we you know, we saw how good he potentially could have been that day, and he confirmed it by winning the grade one at Fairy House uh, on his final start in April, again beating a stellar field very, very easily. He's just a very deceptive horse, Galapando Show. When you look at him, you don't necessarily see the raw power and the brute force of him. Until then, you go back and do the numbers and you think, oh, God, yeah, you could see, you don't see the face at first sight here. You almost, like I say, have to go back and, and do the times and, and, and see where he, he put that electric turn of foot in that he's got. He jumped so well as well, touch wood. That's another part of his game which stands him uh, out from the crowd. And again, I'm looking at time figures. He recorded an 83 time figure when he won at uh, Leopardstown last season, winning that grade one. So I thought he, you know, he was a as big a certainty as you're probably likely to get at Cheltenham. But unfortunately, uh, the fickle under fate dealt his card that day. Um, but we are dealing with a horse who's already proven on the numbers that he's Gold Cup class. It's just now whether you can do that over and play with maturity um, and a, a little bit more water on the bridge, and then hopefully he can, he can get to that. But yeah, he, he he should remain unbeaten in Ireland in whatever category Willie decides to to run him in. And I can't believe that he'll take on Alaho, so I think he'll look to step step in. There you go, Galapando Sean Andy second on his list. I always think that. That Bob Ollinger uh, match bet with Galapand de Champ, the um, must have been, yeah, Bob Ollinger backers going up with their tickets on on course. Um, no, not particularly. <laughs> the equivalent of backing a, in a football match, backing a team who are five nil down, and then the opposition have seven men sent off, so it's match abandoned and the opposition win. I think uh, Ed, um, we'll come to to one on you know who could be 
uh, destined for the Gold Cup as well. Uh, in in Dusart, uh, twenty-five to one for the for the King George, thirty-three to one for the Gold Cup. Obviously, won won three out of four last season. Um, in tough company at Cheltenham uh, was the, was the only defeat. And a horse you're looking to stick with next next season. Yeah, indeed. I'm just suddenly thinking, how would you price up Galloping Champ Alaho over two miles five? Um, that'd be a good. Anyway, <laughs> that's one for another day. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Essentially, but the, the, the kind of angle I've come through here, rather than putting in just load of obvious picks or hipster picks, which um, you know uh, I'll try and claim in six months' time were uh, great insight. I've, what the angle I've come through here is, I've tried to put up every horse with an anti-post target in mind, of which I genuinely think they can go and win. Well, at least mm. I think they're, they're, they're good value for now. So, State Mountain for the champion hurdle. Uh, and Dusart, yeah, maybe the Gold Cup uh, might be, uh, uh, I think that could be a level beyond him. It could be. Uh, at the end of the day, he's still young. He's unexposed. He's had that lovely wind-up, uh, back-up double. Uh, one of the Seven Barrows specials, uh, it has to be said, over the summer, which should have just tweaked him. But as you say, George, he's won three, over, three starts over fences from four. Uh, mm. He seems to get called a few names. He's clearly got his quirks. And he's only slightly below par run, did come uh, at Shelton. Remember on that day where we all got absolutely uh, washed away uh, on the uh, on the Wednesday of the festival when, um, you know, Shishkin pulled up and non-runners right, left and centre. I mean, it was it was bottomless ground and obviously Lom Press and the Hoy Senor and Etel kind of powered clear. No, I don't think he wants the ground too deep, but the, the race I think would be absolutely perfect for him. It'd be the race now called the Coral Gold Cup, which previously Labrick's Trophy, previously Hennessy for those of a uh, slightly older memory and I, I just think it, you know that second season novice he just looked perfect for that uh, I really do I think three and a quarter miles galloping flat track um, he's entitled to improve he said he's only had the four chase starts that would be the slight worry whether he's light on experience but as a general rule with that race I'd much rather have a horse where the handicapper hasn't got to them yet uh, and they've got mileage rather than more of the exposed type I mean of course there's always um, you know, that rule can be broken as we saw with Venetia's horse winning when last year, for example. But Nicky Anderson's kind of nominated this Enchantry House as his two, which he's aiming at the newbie race at the end of November. And um, given that, like, Chantry House, probably a bit regressive, to put it politely, uh, he'd be giving, you know, best part of half a stone to the likes of Dusart. Uh, I'd much rather be than like the younger, fresher legs. So I see he's 12 to 1 for the newbie race. If uh, And Nicky Anderson's saying they might use a prep run. I think the Charlie Hall meeting, or there's that Sandown race, isn't there? The first week of November, mm. uh, potentially is rather intermediate chase as a prep run for it. Uh, I just think he ticks all the right boxes you want. Off one five two, second season novice clearly stays. I'd be shocked if he's not better than one five two. And if the wind ops, uh, the back pinch of um, brought about a bit more improvement, he he's very much on my shortlist for that type of race. So yeah, do start for me as soon as we get um green light vibes from the uh, seven barrows then I, I, I will definitely be getting involved uh, for that race in mind great stuff do start the second pick for ed in his five horses to follow ahead of the national hunt season uh, andy you put up two um probably the two highest profile um novices from last season as your first two picks but it's time to get hipster as ed said and uh, i'm excited by your, your third pick uh, alto belly uh, for harry fry just one run winning a bumper in Exeter in February. Talk us through it. Yeah, I mean, look, I had an embarrassment of riches to pick from. Um, <laughs> I could have easily gone down the, the route of, you know, looking at the John Bonds of this world in, in, in the novice chase department. But, you know, when you look at potentially what they could run up against that, um, um, throughout the season, it, it's it, it's going to be very, very difficult to um, pinpoint the exactly the, the right 
the right one that might end up being favourite for the Arkle, even at this stage. Um, so look, I've, I've picked a couple of horses that are a little bit dark. Um, this one's definitely one of them. Just had the one run. Uh, you want to run for a Texeter. You're well backed. You're six to four favourite. So straight away, you, you think, well, oh, this fella must be quite good. And I just love the way he went through the race that day at Exeter. Um, Travelled great, quickened up really well, ended up winning by about five and a half lengths. Beat a horse called Ginny's Destiny, who uh, went out and um, boosted the form next time out. I can't remember where he won. I should have checked that out after the second auction. That's my job. I'll find it. Yeah. Um, but again, it was just looking at the figures, you don't often get a sort of championship. Chepstow. Chepstow, that was it, yeah. You don't often get like a championship kind of time figure away from the big events such as Punchestown and um, Aintree and, and Cheltenham uh, because there, there's not many races where you do get a big feel where that they're hard at it all the way. And, because you, you, you know, as we know, um, traditionally bumpers are very slowly run, but this race was totally the opposite. They went a real good gallop from the start. So it kind of gave you an indication that this fellow must have a really good engine to be able to do what he did. Um, I think there was a couple of hurdle races on the same card and there was around about a 40-50 length difference circuit to circuit between them going past the winning line to the winning line and Altabelli was that far ahead of the other hurdle horses. Um, like I say, he almost would have lapped them. So he's obviously got a very, very good um, future ahead of him. I think, he, I think the talk is that he'll start in a bumper. It might well be at Cheltenham um, at the... Coming to the first meeting or the second meeting, I think there's a Ed would probably know a little bit better than me. I think there's a, a listed bumper. Um, I think Nicky Henderson won it with half a decent horse last year, after off memory. Um, but yeah, that's where I expect him to start the season. Uh, I don't think he'll end up in bumpers towards the end of the season because I think then he'll go over hurdles. I see him as a possible for the supreme but if not if you know those bumper horses probably go end up going over two and a half miles so you'd be looking at the ballymore uh, but he's a very good um recruit um to whichever uh category he ends up in anyway so altabelli definitely a horse to follow altabelli that there is one firm pricing up altabelli for the supreme 50 to 1 as it stands at the moment um so it I mean possibly worth waiting seeing that that second bumper run and no prices as yet for the ballymore but certainly uh, one that I, you know, a few might have in their notebooks, but certainly different profiles to, to your first two, Andy. Um, Ed, I'll, I'll leave it up to you. Which one you want to take on next out of your, your three remainers? Yeah, well, well, I suppose we'll go to uh, do your job, something I'm sure you're told, uh, <laughs> uh, George. Um, uh, yeah, for the Michael Scudamore team, uh, again, a, a fascinating horse, this one. He's only on 146 um, after bolting up in that that grade two up in Scotland when last seen. And uh, he's an improving eight-year-old who's improved, A, for fences uh, and B, for going up to two and a half miles unbeaten over fences at that trip. And again, he's just another one I'm, I'm looking at and thinking, I really think you're better than 146. I think in time he will get three miles. Now, it sounds like they're going to go the old Roan kind of route and then plot their way around and perhaps look at races like the Peterborough Chase and things afterwards. Uh, I would love them off 146 to run him in the Paddy Power Gold Cup. I think he'd be absolutely tailor-made for that. Bit of soft ground, two and a half miles. He, he's a strong stare at that trip from the evidence we've seen. Now, I get it. Aintree, he's got format that track, flat track, two and a half miles, et cetera, et cetera. But he's not been to Cheltenham yet. And if he were to run a big race uh, at Presby Park, of course, that would suddenly open up a whole host of other avenues for that horse. But um, I think he's got a huge two and a half mile handicap chasing him off 
146. And I'll, I'll be following wherever he goes, uh, especially in this early part of the season. Doesn't mind uh, juicing the ground at all. You know, he's got a win on soft. I think he won a novice hurdle on heavy as well. So uh, he's not going to be the type of horse that I'd imagine they'll kind of bubble wrap and miss the, the dark depths of the winter with and wait for a spring campaign. I think they, they could easily crack on now, if you see what I'm saying. For all that, he does run well on good ground and in spring conditions. So, yeah, he, he's, again, he's never on these, these handicap lurkers. Off 146, on the upgrade, lightly raced, handles any ground. Uh, it'd be fascinating to see where they go. Yeah, Old Rome looks, uh, sounds like that's where um, connections are aiming. But um, they said they want sufficient give underfoot at Aintree uh, at the end of the month. And if that were not the case, they then would consider the Paddy Power Gold Cup at Cheltenham. And uh, I, I think yeah, he could be dangerously well treated. All in all, if he uh, if he goes to the Old Rome, I'll be backing him. Uh, but the wheelbarrow will be coming out if he lines up at Presbury Park in November because I think he, yeah, he could be a handicapped lot still. Really like his, really like his profile. Lovely stuff there. Do your job. Uh, no prices at the moment for those races, as you mentioned, uh, but one to stick in the tracker and wait to see uh, which path they do choose. Um, yeah, progressive horse there for Michael Scudamore. Uh, Andy, your, your fourth um, horse, another lightly raced horse for Tom Lacey, uh, won a bumper. Uh, and then finished runner-up on heavy ground in the maiden, then went on to win. Uh, this is Operation Manor. Yeah, Operation Manor. Um, real dark one, this one, uh, even though he's won a couple of races. I see him, as Ed's already kind of like, trying to get his whistle ball out with one or two horses further down the line. I see this horse an Albert Bartlett horse, even though he's only run over two miles up to now. He looks an absolute copper-bottom stay, as far as I can see. Um, he's won on good ground, but he, he handles soft as, as he proved it when he ran well at Sandown and then he slogged it out to win at Exeter. I just love his attitude, this fella. I've got a lot of time, time for the horse, but I've also got a lot of time for Tom Lacey. He seems to have a lot of horses that really do um, uh, enjoy a battle. Uh, they're all pretty much a, a very hardy, hardy bunch of horses. Um, and yeah, I'd imagine that he'd start the season off in handicaps. I think 115 is extremely, extremely lenient for this chap. I'll be I'll be astonished if he's not running Grady races towards the back end of the season. Um, because I where he'll start, I have no idea what trip. I don't know either. Um, but I could, I could certainly see him um, going through the ranks and ending up, like I say, in one of those sort of trial races around the Christmas period. Um, I, think, I think Tom Lacey's had a few horses of this similar kind of profile that have... Um, not quite got to Cheltenham uh, as as the way we thought they'd might, but I do think this fella will. As, yeah, so he, he's very much a chase as well. Further down the line, you look you look at him. He's he's um, he's got plenty of size and scope. So long term, that's where I see him. But he's, he is only a six year off for now. So I think good novice hurdles will be the, the route he'll go down this year. Starting off possibly in a handicap, uh, and then working his way through. But he's exciting. Um, and yeah, I'm quite looking forward to seeing when he runs because because I'm not going to be missing him off that mark. Yeah, there we have it, Operation Manor. One to keep an eye out with another lenient mark there for Andy, his fourth selection for for Tom Lacey there. Um, and you've got two more. Uh, we've got a returning favourite from last season, which we'll leave to the end. Uh, so Pat's Fancy, uh, your next selection, fourth from of five. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Rebecca Curtis trained. Um, again, I, I said about anti-post targets in mind, but these types of horses, I said, if you ever wanted a horse, in my view, that was tailor-made for the Welsh Grand National. Uh, this would be the one. Yes, he's slightly light on experience, but 
uh, in layman's terms, soft ground in Chepstow, and this horse just absolutely comes alive. And I see he's 20 to 1 to win the, the big event in December. I want to wait and just get the bulletin from Rebecca Curtis that all is well and he's ticking over. But mm. I'd be absolutely gobsmacked if they went anywhere else other than that race because I, I don't see what would be the benefit of doing so, if you see what I'm saying. I mean, his form figures at Chepstow read 4 1 1 with that fourth coming on rattling quick ground which they said they, they would never tackle again. And he's he's got two wins and two seconds on ground, officially described to soft uh, to heavy. And you just look at him from a handicapping point of view. He's off one four two now. But if you go back to Chepstow run uh, around last Christmas time, whenever it was, when he thumped Imperial Alcazar 11 lengths from out the handicap, I mean, that was a spectacular performance, given that uh, Imperial Alcazar is now rated one five three, uh, just on that, uh, that collateral form alone. I think Pat's fancy off one four two um, looks to be a well-treated sort. So I'd imagine they look for some sort of prep run. And yeah, I just went, essentially keep your eyes on, uh, on on Rebecca Curtis social media channels and interviews, <laughs> etc. Because seriously, if it, you know you get the green light saying, look, it's all systems go for the Welsh National. Uh, no joke, he could end up favourite. Uh, I mean, he's got everything you'd want. He jumps, he stays. He's got stamina. Loves soft ground. Loves the track. And uh, as I said, on, on one or two bits of collateral form, I think there's definitely mileage in his mark off one four two. So, yeah, pants fancy for me. Another one with the, the wheelbarrows parked up and the handbrake. <laughs> um, I'm waiting to. I'm already thinking of December the 27th. I should be thinking about the Christmas shopping, but I'll worry about my <laughs> um, more more important things to worry about. And um, yeah, pants fancy in the Welsh National very much at the top of my shortlist for that race at the moment. You joke about Christmas shopping, but I was in John Lewis uh, in Stratford Westfield a couple of days ago, and they've already got a whole Christmas section out, so um, we're, we're lagging behind. Uh, Pat Sancy is priced up for the Welsh National, uh, twenty to one with Skybet and Unibet, the only two firms currently out with a the market there. So, if you did want to take the chance now, um, in case that price tumble does come, uh, you can go and see Skybet or Unibet. They're a quarter of the four as well. Uh, if you want to back Pat Sancy each way, probably a, a win only bet at this stage, um, but one that Ed clearly very excited about um time for your little uh handicap plot is it andy now um a, a horse for peter farhey man of work uh, a handicap hurdler last time uh, seen at listow uh, last month uh, won twice last season um and one you're, you're looking to keep on side this time around very much so yeah um i i again similar to ed viewing pat's fancies particularly well handicapped i think operation man has got in quite lightly off 115. I'm just trying to highlight you a horse in Ireland that I think's fairly well treated. He's off 129, uh, this man I work. And when you look at some of the horses he ran against last year in the juvenile category, he ran against Icar Allen. He, he, he probably would have given him a race that day. He'd not fallen uh, at the second last in a grade three. And Icar Allen's, what, one mid-140s? He beat a horse called Instit at Limerick. And I think that horse is also rated in the 140s. He wasn't good enough for the grade one um, collection of horses over in Ireland, the Vubans of this world, um, on, on his final start. But it was the kind of esteem that they held him in from a very small stable that suggests that, uh, you know, that, that they're, not, they're not completely tilted at Wimbles, or that they're not too far wrong uh, in, in thinking he's, 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 he's not far off that bracket. He came back at Listel the other day for a 142-day break. Um, he was in a very tough handicap, but it was one of those races around that track where fitness and track position was key. Um, the winner made all the running horse called Prairie Dancer. 
Um, it was a really good ride by, um, I think it was Johnny Slevin around him. Um, but Mano Work was held up out the back and he was the only one that was held up that made any notable late headway to finish a never near a second. He also went round the inside. There was a massive advantage that day to race wide. The jockey on the winner did exactly that. Unfortunately, seven pound um, conditional who rode Mano Work went all the way around on the swamp. So he did really well to close the winning margin down to six lengths or the losing margin down to six lengths. The winner went up 11 pounds or 12 pounds for winning and yet the horse that finished second, and I think he was equally as good as the winner, given the circumstances of the race, only got put up two. So I thought he did. If if they meet again, Prairie Dance and Manor Work, there's only one horse that will come out on top, and that's Manor Work. Um, so, yeah, it all depends what kind of races that they're, they're, they're looking at from here on in. I see him as a horse that will probably get a little bit further. I think he's the type for the boys' race at Cheltenham next season, because... The winner last year, um, trained by Jezra O'Brien, uh, Bambridge, I think won it off one three five. So I, I could see this fella winning at least one or maybe two handicaps along the way. Um, I think he'll definitely step up in trip sooner rather than later because he looks as though he stays really well. Mm-hmm. So he'll start up, or he'll, his next one will be over two miles, but I think he will end up running over two and a half somewhere along the line in one of those Irish handicaps before hopefully coming over here and um, running in the... Um, in the Martin Pub conditional race. So Mano Work, um, a, a, an intriguing runner from a small stable over in Ireland. I could have gone down the juvenile hurdle route. I was I was talking with the idea of putting up a horse that's yet to set foot over hurdles, a horse called Perseus Way. Uh, but I did a, a juvenile hurdle feature, um, like a tend to follow, which is um, readily um, or freely available to read online. So that's rather taken up... Um, the uh, the time that I was going to spend on on rattling on about him, but he runs. I think he runs at Kempton on Sunday. So um, there there you go. There's a, there's a there's a, a little sneaky triumph hurdle pick um, dovetail or shoehorned on the back of this uh, preview. We asked you for five, and you've given us six. Six. Uh, top man, Andy. Andy. Always managed to squeeze another a little bit out of them. <laughs> So those are Andy's uh, five to follow. Uh, I'll run through them again at the end of the show, uh, which is coming in just a second. But Ed, you know, it wouldn't be a, an odds checker betting show there quickly unless we spoke about Ben Pauling, would it? <laughs> Spot on. Um, <laughs> we spoke about him uh, last The man in form as well. Yeah, absolutely. And he's off to um, America on Saturday, isn't he, for the uh, American Grand National Global Citizen, of course, to mm. of course, an upset and winning the, uh, the Grand Annual. So, yeah, wish the team well over there and uh, yeah i put up um your darling on this show a year ago and he goes in again here for the list i think there's unfinished business i mean he obliged to a sense uh in a sense last year that he absolutely bolted up on his chase debut um which was kind of what we were, we were hoping would happen at huntington looked really really smart on that occasion and then things didn't quite go right after i mean he didn't run badly by any stretch of the imagination i mean he, he held his own in some very competitive handicaps i remember that race at kempton over Christmas, that looked a pretty hot race. You know, the likes of Danny Kerwin in it and Jack Amar. And, um, you know, he kind of held his own at a certain level without really going up a notch. And, uh, yeah, I was down at Ben Paulding's last week and spoke to him. And he said, uh, of all the horses he's gone in his yard, he's the one he feels has almost got the most untapped potential, yet very hard to kind of keep sound. He, he doesn't keep his condition very well, and which kind of dovetails with the fact the horse's best forms all come when fresh, the first time out. This is a little bit of a a kind of rhyme and reason to his career so far and that 
you know, you got him back after Huntingdon and things just weren't quite 100% and, and, and he's hard to train. I don't think he's the type of horse you're going to see like that older, what was his name, Nigel Twisted Davis horse and many, Pigeon Island, who, who race every mm. Saturday, you know, he's the total opposite. He, he'll need to be cotton wool to some extent. But all in all, first time out again, I think will be the time to catch him because he's now he's down to one, two, three. Just started to look spectacularly well handicapped in my view again, uh, based on his potential he showed in novice hurdles and his bumper days and uh ben's nominated a few targets that he could run out includes a valuable pot at ascot i think on a betfair chase day in the middle of november they might look at first time out i think the plan was they wanted to get him into something like the the paddy power gold cup off bottom weight first time out but obviously having dropped to one two threes no chance he'd get in there now so all in all uh he's a horse wherever he runs first time out i will be backing him and then I wouldn't be shocked if he was put away through the depths of the Windsor. And then depending on how that goes, obviously, bring him back for a, um, a lofty target or tilt at something decent in the spring, essentially on the back of a big break. Because uh, Ben just said, he said he's just a horse who's just, for whatever reason, is just always a little niggle, there's something hard to keep with him. And he kind of, he's a kitchen sink horse. Everything goes into it in terms of effort-wise, and it takes a lot out of him. So I think you'll have big gaps between his, his races. And um of course, he has moved, uh, got his new setup now, Ben, pulling down it north. Mm. Uh, perhaps new surroundings. I mean, it's a state-of-the-art kind of arena there now that perhaps he'll settle into those new kind of plush facilities. Um, and, and that might help him in terms of his conditioning and, and his strengthening and maintaining his, his peak. But all in all, wherever he goes first time out, um, I wouldn't be shocked if they go for try and find a nice pop with him. Uh, off bottom weight somewhere yeah your darling very much be on the radar great stuff uh your darling the fifth and final selection for eds i'll run through the guys picks now uh, ed had uh state man uh do start do your job pat's fancy and your darling stick these in your tracker for andy constitution hill galopin de champ alto belly operation manor manor work and andy remind us of the the secret easter egg hey the, the sick, the juvenile. Oh, yes, uh, Perseus Way. Um, Perseus Gary Way. Moore, one at Newbury on the flat about a month ago. Um, set to go, not juvenile hurdling. Reportedly took to it really well. And um, hopefully he'll be um, the next Goshen. Oh, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Uh, th- thank you very much to both Andy and for Ed for sharing their lists with us today. Uh, they'll both be regulars hopefully, as will I, uh, over the course of the National Hunt season on the Odds Checker betting show. Do download the Odds Checker app now where you can find all of the markets we spoke about, the Antipost markets and plenty more up there and racing every single day. The best prices, place terms, uh, free bets, bookie offers and Andy's tips amongst other bookmakers straight to the app every single morning of racing as well. The jumps are back. It is exciting. Uh, it definitely helps with the, uh, the, the, the colder weather outside. Um, but fingers crossed for a brilliant season surely a couple of big pots to win from those uh, from those uh, and as is always the case please do ensure that you are gambling responsibly <laughs>